Caledonian McBrain and the Big Light present... Falcha, I'm Cunyach MacLeod, the Hebridean Baker. Originally from the Isle of Lewis, I'm an author, TV presenter and travel blogger. I spend lots of time traveling around the world, discovering amazing places and the people who live there. But my favorite place is home, the Hebrides, making me your perfect guide to the very best things to do, see, eat and enjoy throughout the incredible islands on the west coast of Scotland. Welcome to Scottish Island Adventures. In this episode, I'm taking you to the beautiful Isle of Arran. Often referred to as Scotland in miniature, Arran has rugged mountains in the north, the bustling town of Brodick in the middle, and rolling hills and beaches to the south. It's really accessible from the mainland. Just a quick Calmac ferry journey across the Firth of Clyde from Ardrossan to the main port of Brodick. Coming up, I take to the waves around Lamlash Bay to try my hand at sea kayaking. I indulge my sweet tooth with some of the best farm fresh ice cream I've ever tasted. And I visit a quintessential island castle at Brodick Country Park and Gardens. But first, I'm delighted to introduce my guest, Kirsty Wark. Kirsty is a multi award winning journalist. TV presenter and author. She's the longest running host of BBC's flagship current affairs programme, Newsnight, also fronting The Reunion on Radio 4. Brought up in Ayrshire, she's been visiting Arran for decades, and her first novel, The Legacy of Elizabeth Pringle, was set on the island. Kirsty, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here. It makes me think I'm at Arran already. <laughs> now, what is so magical about Aaron? What brings you back so many times? I love that whole ritual of getting to the boat, getting on the boat. And and that's always been the case. You just feel you're going somewhere magical. And I totally somewhere agree totally with you. different. When, when you get on a ferry, it's like the start of an adventure, uh-huh. isn't it? Yeah. When Aaron starts to hove into view and everybody's hanging over the side, by the way, on the way across to see if they can see porpoises or what's about in the water. And I remember, it doesn't happen now for reasons that become obvious, but I remember leaving the island when I was much younger and they used to hurl, unfurl toilet paper to create extraordinary kind of ruffles and things going off the boat. It might have just been fair fortnight. I don't know, but I can remember that as a child going, God, look at all this, reams of the stuff. Magical. Magical. And you get to the island and just it's just a real contrasting island, isn't mm. it? As you say, you know, Brodick's this kind of bustling place. And I mean, the key thing, I think, for me is it is kind of food heaven now. Not saying it was bad before, but it wasn't food heaven. <laughs> it's food heaven now. You go on that beautiful three-mile journey over to Lamlash. And just as you get to the top, then you see Holy Isle, it kind of hoves into view. And if the weather's really good, you can see right down to South Ayrshire and Galloway. And I just think there's no better sight. 
Well, one of the things about Arran that keeps visitors returning time and again is the spectacular scenery. From mountainous rocky crags to deep ravines and the sparkling clear waters that circle the island. It's a stunning haven of unspoiled nature. Now, some visitors might prefer just to relax and look at the scenery, but to experience what the island has to offer head-on, I booked an afternoon adventure with the outdoor specialist's Otter's Tail. I met up with owner Andy to see how the visitors to the island can become budding explorers for the day and get immersed in the real Aran outdoors experience. I've just arrived at Lamlash, down to the quayside, and it is a flat calm day in the bay. And I'm heading out kayaking with Andy from Otter's Tail. Nice to meet you, sir. You too, you too. Now, you've lived here on the island for, for quite a few years. Uh, tell me what brought you to the island first. Well, my mother and father. Uh, used to come as a child, uh, holidays every year, loved it. And my wife was the same. Uh, so when... We had our own children. It was an easy choice to make to move across. And tell me a little bit about Otter's Tail. Well, we started Otter's Tail actually before we lived in Arran and uh, it was a Canadian canoeing company and we do river trips. Uh, but when we moved to Arran, uh, sea kayaking is definitely the activity here. Uh, so we changed to sea kayaking and I'm very glad we did. And tell me about the different experiences you can do on Arran. So we offer anything from dawn kayaking, uh, which we meet an hour and a half before dawn and paddle through the darkness into the light, to multi-day expeditions, including 22-kilometre crossings to Ailsa Craig. We offer gorge walking, which is very family-friendly from eight years old and up. And we offer hill walking in the island. We specialise in the, the more scrambly hill walks, the ones that perhaps uh, people aren't as confident to go without a guide. Because you're a Scottish mountain leader, is that right? Yes, a uh, winter mountain leader, uh, as well as a rock climbing instructor. We have a, a range of activities we can offer, but kayaking seems the biggest draw on the island. And that's the one I would love to try today. So first things first, we're going to get into the kayaks. Let's go and get suited and booted. Amazing. There's a nice ergonomic handle. Yep. Right there. We'll lift it up like so. And just right to the right there. We'll have to go a little bit deeper yeah. and then we'll straddle the boat. Okay, let's give this a try. The most important thing as we go through the moorings is to avoid the expensive ones. Good point, yes. Here comes Adam. Adam runs a local chandelier shop. He lives in one of the boats out here. There's quite a few of the, the boats are lived on full time. Oh, wow. Good morning, sir. Oh, hi, hi, hi. So, Andy, for, for those people who haven't been to, to Aran before, what, what will they expect when they come to the island? So, you have a bit of everything. From the outdoor enthusiast point of view, you've got great sailing, you've got fantastic hill walking. According to WH Murray, the father of Scottish rock climbing, you get the best rock climb in Scotland, the South Ridge Direct, which is 11 pitches of very severe climbing, VS climbing, and it's a 
piece of beauty up in the rocks up there. You've also got the, the mountain biking in there and just had a massive investment. We've just spent a couple of hundred thousand pounds in Lamlash and some sculptured trails. But that only adds to the you know, tens of kilometres of uh, built trails by the locals. We're, we're taking a wee spin just now and as I said, we're, we're looking over Holy Isle. But the wildlife here must be a real draw for folk as well. It is. It's a, it's a big draw to the island. Some people come to Ireland to see the Scottish Big Five. So they see the grey seal and the otter on the water. And the land, they see the red deer and the red squirrel. And in the air, they see the golden eagle. <laughs> a really funny experience a few weeks ago when somebody told me they thought otters were the same as unicorns. A mythical creature, because they'd never seen one. And honestly, a minute later, just out in the moorings here, we've seen the otter go down. You recognise an otter as it dives down. Sometimes you see the small head, and you don't know whether it's a seal in the distance or an otter, but when it dives down, you see the tail, and it you know, tells you it's an otter. Probably the best wildlife experience I've ever had was a dawn kayak. So we set off an hour and a half before dawn, and just enough time to get out of the bay, three kilometres away, for the sun breaking the horizon. We'd just watched the sun, we'd had our coffee, had some cake, and we're turning back in and a pod of dolphins came by. Wow. It was a special moment in my life, it really was. Really actually treasured because my youngest daughter was with me as well, and she was ecstatic. And we got a lovely video of these dolphins just parading past us as the sun was rising over the horizon. It doesn't get better than that. Andrew, the sun's coming out it is flat cam and I'm looking back over to Aran and I can start to see that the peaks what am I looking at there well you're looking at the, the Aran mountains so we've got Goat Fell on the right on the left hand side you've got the three bends one of one of our best hill walks it's a, a lovely walk over Ben Noose, Ben Tarsin and Ben Cleven. in the middle you've got Kirvor and Castle of Vale so just some of the mountains of Aran there's, there's more hidden that we can't see from here as well and Aran is called Scotland in miniature. What, why is it called that? Uh, because everything Scotland has to offer, Aran has to offer as well. Including the geology, the, the Highland Fault Line runs right through the middle of Aran, which means we have mountains to the north and we have more rounded hills to the south. The wildlife really is special uh, on Aran. Why do you think it is so special? Well, I think in no small part we're helped by the, the no-take zone in uh, Lamlash Bay. So over 15 years ago, uh, the no-take zone was started, which allows for no fishing whatsoever. It's about two square miles of water, so it's not a massive area, so very supportive of everybody, including all the local fishermen. You can't hand dive, you can't put down lobster pots, you can't dredge, and you, and you can't macro fish either. So over 15 years, the seabed has the time to recover. A lot of universities actually come up to study uh, the no-take zone, and Coast, the organisation who started it, a wonderful organisation. You know, they've got a new boat in the water actually uh, to do citizen science. So they're involving uh, children and adults who can go on board the boat and spend an hour and a half measuring water quality, looking at the creatures they can find. So that, as well as helping the science, also helps educate people and hopefully makes them want to protect the environment as well. Andy, I've loved this experience today, getting out on the water and it's just been flat calm, which is perfect. Seeing Holy Isle, but even just getting the views of the mountains of Aran as well. It's been really special. Thanks so much. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Kayaking more often makes you a better person.
I mean, just hearing <laughs> Andy's tale of seeing the pod of dolphins at dawn makes me feel like jumping on a kayak right, you know, right now. Um, are you much of an explorer, Kirsty? Well, I've been kayaking, um, but unfortunately, it was a two-person kayak with my husband, Alan. And that was a source of quite some disagreement. <laughs> Never go in a kayak with your other half. But you were you were in um, Lumlash Bay. I mean, isn't it extraordinary to have a no-take zone? The only one in the United Kingdom. Fascinating. And of course, there's loads of seals around and everything. And now far more, I think. It is just such a bustly wee uh, port there, the quayside. Lots oh, of things going on. Great chandlers. Just felt a real community. And of course, that Lumlash Pier and further along the front there was where the boat came in. I mean, you actually came, you came over and you could get off at Lumlash. Well, to find out more about outdoor adventures in Arran, go to otterstail.co.uk or simply visit calmac.co.uk. Kirsty, I know you are a consummate baker, and I do remember God, one of I'm my. <laughs> I'm sitting here with the consummate baker. <laughs> no, honestly, one of my highlights watching television was you making the old man of Hoy cake on the Bake Off. That was just one of my dream television oh my moments. God, I was winging it big style there, though, <laughs> and I didn't have my central core pins. I had to kind of make it all up as I went along. I couldn't believe it actually stood. That was extraordinary, but it was great fun. You yeah, know? It, it was, and I just remember it's it's a very joyous program, and and baking is, you know, so joyous as well, isn't it? I, I love baking. And I mean, I should really ask for your tips because what I make a lot, because you don't even have to prove it, is soda bread, Irish soda bread. I love it. I love yes. it. And, you know, I, I mix it up. Obviously, I, you've got your pinhead oatmeal, your oatmeal, yes. your wholemeal flour, and I might throw in some seeds. And it's just... It's magic. Magic. It is magic. And it always works. Yes, I totally agree. But tell me, if you're not baking at home and you're visiting the island, where would you go for the perfect... Tea and scones ah. when you're on Arran. Right, well, there's lots of places to go for the tea and scones, but I know actually the castle's got good scones, but I would go to the Blackwater Bakehouse. I've filmed with Oh, them. I love it. It's yes. an amazing place. And what he does is he just stays open, obviously, till he's out of bread, and then he just closes. But, you know, that bread is going around the island now, you know, so I think it's in Mara Fish, it's in the Bay Stores, in Whiting Bay. And I think that's wonderful. I mean, that is a real local entrepreneur. Now, after all that hard work paddling around the shores of Arran, I definitely earned myself a wee treat. So, I went along to Arran Dairies for a taste of their homemade ice cream. Established in 1978, it's a family-run business going back four generations. I spoke to the owner, Alistair, to find out the story behind the company and what makes their products quite so delicious. Right next to the ferry, and my first stop on Arran is the Arran Dairies and Taste of Arran. And I'm here to meet Alistair, the owner. Alistair, tell us the story of how this all began. We're a fourth generation company here. Um, my grandfather came to Arran in 1937. He was a cattleman and started uh, dairy farming in Arran. And then my father took that business on. But like most farmers on islands, you were scraping to make a living. And uh, we sold potatoes and milk to the local village. Then 
fast forward to 1978, Scottish uh, office in these days, it wasn't Scottish government, decided all milk had to be pasteurised and stuff. So we started uh, processing milk in this site. That was a big change for the island, wasn't it? Huge. To, to, to suddenly have all the dairy farmers coming together. It was a big moment. And, it, it, you know, necessity is the mother of collaboration, I think. How many farms and dairy farmers are there on the island now? So in, in the 1940s, when they started the creamery on the island, there was 140. That's when it would be crofting and uh, it would be everybody would have a couple of cows and the, the milk truck would go around and pick up a 10-gallon can off the milk stand. And now there's only one. Alistair, we've talked about the milk, but it's obviously a, an important part of another product that's sold uh, from the island, the cheese. Yeah, absolutely. So the milk is the core ingredient for cheese and for our ice cream. The cheese is, is a world-class cheese. The brie, the blue and the camembert have won gold medals at the World Cheese Awards. And That blue cheese is fantastic. But one thing I'm so excited to try, because this is something I absolutely love, is your ice cream. Mm -hmm. So shall we go and visit the uh, the factory? Yeah. There you go. Tell us what's going on in this part of the, uh, of the factory. So, that, so we bring the, the milk into this into our factory here and um, the first part of the process is we add cream, sugar, a bit of skim milk powder to balance it off and uh, a little bit of natural emulsifier. And our ice cream is all about getting that dairy taste. So our traditional dairy doesn't have any vanilla in it at all because we want the dairy notes to come out of the cream and the milk. And uh, vanilla was used back in the day because people started using cheaper ingredients to give it some dairy flavor. So vanilla's got that dairy note. So, so Alistair, we've got a few different machines there. The one in the corner, is that churning the ice cream, that one there? These are the aging tanks. So all we're doing here is it's, it just keeps it uh, at the right temperature. You've got to age it for at least four hours. It's where the magic happens. So if you remember the soup you had as a kid or even a soup you have now, second day soup's always better always than first day better. soup. So this is where the magic happens where the fats and the proteins and everything bind together. Look how velvety that looks, eh? It just looks absolutely stunning. And after that, what happens after that part of the process? Where does it go? It cooks, goes, uh, goes through a heat exchanger, ages here, then straight into the freezer. And the final part of the process is the frozen ice cream coming out. And there is this big pipe and it is pulsing out the most creamy looking ice cream. I just want to put my face underneath. I don't know if I'm allowed to or not. <laughs> I have a taste of that coming straight off the machine. I'd love that. That's the best ice cream I've ever tasted. Ah, you would say is, that. <laughs> that. No, honestly, that is so creamy. Wow. <laughs> just, just leave it. I'll just take the 10 litres. <laughs> You'll just okay? take a whole lot. <laughs> So back out the freezer, this van here is just uh, it's loaded up with uh, ice cream to take round the restaurants and the shops and also some uh, 10 gallon churns of milk to go to the vending machines that we've got throughout the island. Well, I'm just seeing one here. It says fresh, delicious, local milk from Aaron's Dairy Cows. Yeah, this is it. This is a digital cow here. <laughs> and these are dotted around the island, are they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got uh, about eight to ten 
vending machines, some, one in every village. We've got f fantastic local shops and even local restaurants. You can get, you can fill up your milk bottle there. You can use these milk bottles. Or you can bring anything you want. You can bring saddlebags and we'll fill it up for you. Well, uh, I'm just going to tap my card here. So all you do, uh, you put the milk bottle in the little uh, compartment here. There's a little spout that will fill it up. I've got to ask for milk and then I put my card back again and then you'll hear it pumping out in a little minute. Yeah, so it's, uh, you can feel it really cold as you as you pour it out. But you can see the colour of it. You can see it's really creamy. Yeah, it's really creamy. Well, Alistair, I'm going to take this litre of the most delicious milk from my porridge for tomorrow morning. You've really inspired me. <laughs> Great. Oh, it was so great chatting to Alistair about the process that goes into making the phenomenal ice cream, Kirsty. Have, have you tried it? Endlessly. <laughs> uh, I mean, the quality of the ingredients, maybe that's why it's so special. Because, um, Aaron, th there is like a kind of microclimate, isn't there, on the island? That goes for Butte and Millport as well, of course. But you've got palm trees everywhere. I know. Not what you expect when you come into a Hebridean island. Perfect for cows and visitors. What I heard was that earlier in the summer it was so warm and dry that the midges couldn't cope. And that's the kind of summer <laughs> we want. That's the kind of summer we want. Well, as they say, happy cows make the freshest milk and that milk was yeah. just delicious. But wouldn't you want to buy your milk locally? Yes. Wouldn't you want to make sure there's always a herd on an island? I love that. I totally agree. And the fact that you can walk off the ferry with your empty bottle and just get fresh milk on your way to your guest house or your yeah. wee cottage that you're going to stay on the island. Really special. Well, for more information on Aaron Dairies, visit aaronicecream.co.uk. Every Scottish island in your bucket list. Every sunrise, every waterfall, every bird song, every seashell, every stroll along the edge of the world, every new friend you make, every dance, every dram, every downpour, every crackling campfire, every sparkling night sky, every feast under harbour lights, and every photo under that red Calmac funnel. Every moment, Every memory, every journey starts a story. And you can start yours at calmac.co.uk. We're teaming up with Beetson Cancer Charity, an incredible organisation making a significant impact across the west of Scotland. Their vital work depends on the generosity of people like you. Beetson Cancer Charity provides a wide range of essential services to cancer patients and their families. From complementary therapies to specialised health and work support, they offer a lifeline during some of life's toughest moments. If you want to get involved, head over to beatsoncancercharity.org forward slash donate. Your help means the world to those who need it most. The Isle of Harris Distillery is the social distillery proudly built in the heart of their island community to create sustainable employment for local men and women. With a peat fire burning year-round, a warm Outer Hebridean welcome is always assured. 
and a dram of the award-winning Isle of Harris gin and elemental single malt whiskey the Heroch awaits. Two spirits, one purpose. To learn more about the distillery's story or to order a bottle or two, visit harrisdistillery.com. Slanjava. Now, Kirsty, you set your first novel, The Legacy of Elizabeth Pringle, on the island. Tell me a wee bit about the story and why Aaron inspired you to write it. I wanted to write a kind of love letter to the island. It's all tied up with the idea that Elizabeth Pringle of the title, you know, she might be outwardly thought of as a dry old stick, but she's such an intellectual and cultured and interesting woman, has a bit of the second sight. And she anchors herself on Aaron. And I think that's what happens to people sometimes. They they become very anchored in a place like that. So people have seen her going up and down the road. She doesn't talk to many people. She has this extraordinary inner life and this extraordinary secret. And I also wanted to set some of it during the Second World War because Aaron was so important during the Second World War. You know, it trained the commandos that went to the Litania River. There was a big boom around Lamlash Bay. My mother went over to Ireland a few times during the war. Wow. You know, for a week's holiday, but you know, the okay. fleet was in and so I think it has an extraordinary history. And of course it's got an extraordinary history of emigration as well. So I just wanted to sort of show the island in all its facets and tell a story of this extraordinary woman, Elizabeth Pringle. And it's one of my favourite things when I am visiting a new place is to pick up a book and kind of really envelop myself in the island. And I think that's what people can do when they pick up your uh, wonderful debut novel. Well, well, what was really strange, I met women on the boat who had actually just done an Elizabeth Pringle tour. Which is oh like mind blowing because everything's there. The, the Edwardian Library, come public hall in Brodick, where we actually had a very drunken launch of the book. Uh, Glenashdale Falls, which is incredibly important in the book. These places are still there. And the key thing was, and I didn't know this really before I started writing the book, that during the Second World War, um, when America came in and the Can- Canadians first were coming into the air base at Air, they had to come down over Goat Fell. And of course, they were coming down in the hours of darkness and planes crashed. There's still planes up in that hill. There were war graves in Lamlash wow. uh, Cemetery because people died on that range during the war. So that was wound into the book as well. So the thing about historical fiction is you've got to be careful with the dates and that kind of thing. You can use your imagination. But what I also want to do is kind of explore how Aaron was. And one of the best places to do that is the museum. Oh my goodness, the local museum is phenomenal. Okay, now this is interesting because we've talked about food, we've talked about adventure, but there's a lot of culture uh, on the island as well, isn't there? There really is. There's the museum, there's there's a really active music scene, there's a really active art scene, but also looking back, I mean, the artist Jesse M. King, the artist Joan Eardley, Jesse M. King had summer schools at High Corrie. And I've got one of the paintings that she painted up there. Joan Early spent a lot of time on Aaron. Uh, last year and the year before, there's been a big celebration of the work that she did on Aaron, the time she spent there. I think of it as an extraordinary place of, it's like quiet culture. It's like, it doesn't blow its head off, but you know, everybody knows what an important Craigie H is an endlessly painted Holy Isle. Amazing. Amazing. Wonderful place for artists. Well, something that really strikes you when you're travelling around Scotland is just how alive the history of the land is. From ancient stone circles to spectacular stately homes, a great number of landmarks that tell the story of Scotland's past have been incredibly well preserved. 
Project Castle, situated just outside the island's main town, is definitely one of those places and a must visit when you come to Arran. I was lucky enough to get a tour and a history lesson from the National Trust of Scotland's Susan Mills. I've just arrived at Brodick Castle on Arran and I'm here to meet Sue, the Guiding and Education Supervisor. Tell me a little bit about uh, the history of the castle. Um, the castle has a fabulous history. Um, you can look at it now and it looks like a grand mansion, very romantic. It's got, um, you know, a tower, crenellations, um, but it goes way, way back, back to sometime after 1260, just after the Treaty of Perth, when the Vikings departed and Alexander III was trying to consolidate his power in the southwest of Scotland. So it was a royal castle and it came into the hands of the Hamilton family who married into royalty in the 1500s um, but in its first couple of centuries it had the most amazing um, encounters in terms of military encounters. Well I was going to say it, it really looks like a, a fortress you know when you appear it looks like it's it's defending the island of Arran. Absolutely, it's on that, you know, it would have been on this rocky crag, you can imagine it, none of it would have been landscaped at all. Um, and it was a fortress, but there is so much more than the castle. The castle it does is seem spectacular, that. Yeah. yes. But we also have, you know, this wonderful country park, which we're on the periphery of now with trails. Also, of course, the magnificent Goat Fell. It's affectionately known as the hill because it's <laughs> not quite a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Just in a wee while, we'll come upon our um, Bronze Age roundhouse. It's a replica, of course. Um, really interesting to look at. I'm Corinna, I'm one of the rangers working here at Project Country Park. I'm going to take a seat and find out what you're up to. Yes, I recommend sitting down so your head is, is out of the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are in um, a replica Bronze Age roundhouse. You're now in it's effectively a, a timber hut um, that's, that's thatched. Um, we've got wattle and daub walls. This is how, how people would have would have lived. Um, so this building is is based on a roundhouse that's, that was excavated in the 70s, I think, uh, on the west coast of Arran. How important is having this now for the island? It's a great addition um, to the island um, because obviously there's many places um, in, in Scotland where you can see the remnants of these houses um, but there are a few places where you can actually walk into a reconstructed building and get a real feel for for what it must have been like to live here and you know, have the fire on as well that's that's even more unusual to be able to, to sit around a fire. So this would have been a, a family environment that people would have been in so how, how would they have entertained themselves uh, of, of an evening? Um, yeah definitely um, but we certainly know they had instruments. Um, I was talking to a group earlier about um, you know, hunting animals such as red deer would have been an amazing effort um, but they were very good using every bit of the animal so um, the skin you can use to make clothing but you can also use it um, to make instruments um, such as such as drums. Or okay, you're giving this to me, but I'm not just sure if I'm the expert here. But uh, so this would have made, been made from the skin of what animal? Either a cow or, or deer skin as well, and then it's sewn onto its wooden frame with um, animal sinew. Um, and 
talking about the bones, um, I'm just digging in my in my baskets of um, Bronze Age goodies here. Um, there's another piece of um, red deer leg bone, um, and when you take out the bone marrow and um, put in little holes and openings, um, you have a whistle. Well, I don't think I'll win any musical contests with that, but that is amazing, isn't it? I'm going to leave you because you've got a wee group here and I think it looks like they're going to make a bit of noise. I think they're raring to go. <laughs> nice to meet you. So you've taken me through the walk of rhododendrons and all these huge ferns that that are amazing they're absolutely spectacular aren't they yeah and they wouldn't have been out of place in jurassic park really. <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is our bavarian summer house oh my goodness when you walk in, you are bombarded by this array of pine cones everywhere. So they're on the roof, um, they're halfway down the walls, and they are being put into beautiful patterns. It's like the Michelangelo of... Uh, <laughs> I've never experienced anything like it. Well, I'm sure Princess Mary of Baden would have been very pleased to hear <laughs> you say that. So tell me, so Princess Mary of Baden, what connection did she have with the castle and the family? She married the 11th Duke of Hamilton in 1843, um, a very auspicious marriage. She had a really... Um, important pedigree. It was actually an arranged marriage and she came all the way from Mannheim Palace in Germany and would have used the castle and the gardens as her countryside home. And what would they have used the summer house for? The summer house would have been used for the ladies to come and sit and have their tea. Um, uh, there was little stoves apparently where the tea could oh, be wow. made, perhaps have cucumber sandwiches as well. I mean, between the grandeur of the castle, uh, the uniqueness of the roundhouse, and now we're in the summer house, what a wonderful day trip it is for, for people to come here. I just think this could be the most beautiful place in Scotland to have a couple of cucumber sandwiches. What do you think, Sue? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I have to try it. <laughs> to find out more about Brodick Castle's opening times and tours, go to nts.org.uk or simply visit calmac.co.uk. Now, Kirsty, if you're advising travellers one or two last things they've got to do in the island, what would they be? Well, I'm going to take two. OK, take two. I'm going to take two. I'm going to say go to the Standing Stones at Machry Moor. It is really a magical place. And extraordinarily, they've just found uh, traces of a Neolithic monument, 5,000 years old, which is on a par with Stonehenge. That's fantastic. Wow. But also either by car or by bus, Get yourself round to Marafish and Corrie. There's so many places. I could reel them off. You know, <laughs> the French Fox, the Shack, the Drifton. I mean, there's endless places. But Marafish, the recipes are so creative. The food is so fresh. The setting is fantastic. I think it's one of the treats of a day in Aaron.
Kirsty, what a treat. I feel like you've taken me on a new adventure to Aaron. Thanks so much for joining us today. I feel like I'm there. Thanks very much indeed. Well, that's all from this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe, like, rate, review and share with your friends. For show notes and more information on this and all my other island destinations, plus full details on Caledonian McBrain's routes, timetables, prices and bookings, go to calmac.co.uk. Every journey starts a story, so book your Caledonian McBrain island adventure now. Our friends at Folk on Foot have a podcast that we think you'll enjoy. Here's a wee taster. I'm Matthew Bannister. On my award-winning podcast, Folk on Foot, we travel the length and breadth of the UK and Ireland, taking you to the most extraordinary places. The ancient pagan Celts used to call places like Sandwood thin places. Places where the distance between heaven and earth was very short. As we walk and talk with the finest folk musicians, you'll be immersed in landscape, history and the natural world. In English lore, the curlew is one of the seven whistlers, along with the golden plover, which is another bird you would hear here. Here he comes, gosh, he's so close. Amazing. And recorded in each location, there is always beautiful, transcendent music. Would you search through the loamy earth for me? Climb through the briar and bramble. There are more than 60 glorious episodes of Folk on Foot for you to discover wherever you get your podcasts. So start your escape into our world now. From the Big Light Studio.